Welcome to the What I Love About You podcast. I want to tell you three things that I love about you. I love about your smile. You love my smile? Yeah. I love your smile. <laughs> I love your laugh. You oh. have a contagious and amazing <laughs> laugh. I love your beautiful singing voice. Hey, hey, happy Thursday, and welcome to the What I Love About You podcast. I am so excited for today's episode, and I just wanted to take a second real quick and say thank you so much to everyone that is sharing these episodes, that's written a review. It means so much to us, and we are so thankful that you're on this journey with us, this podcast journey. It has been an incredibly exciting journey, um, a new adventure that we've started in the year 2020, and we're so thankful for your love and your support. I cannot wait for you to hear today's episode with Sam Acho. We're going to talk about his new book that you can pre-order right now. It's called Let the World See You, and we get to talk about the book, um, and it's just such an incredible conversation about honesty, vulnerability, transparency, and it's something that is so needed, and we, we swap stories a little bit about both being preacher's kids and growing up in the church. And I just think now more than ever, we need to create space and feel the freedom to be honest. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Check out my conversation with Sam Acho. Thank you so much, Sam, for joining me today. I'm so excited for my audience to get to hear from you. And honestly, I first connected with you through the Home Team Podcast which you are a co-host of. And I fell in love with that podcast and that space. But then on Instagram, I got a sponsored ad for your book, which I want to talk about some more. But I was blown away at the way you were talking about honesty and authenticity. And growing up in the church, a pastor's daughter, pastor's wife, I don't think there's enough people in the Christian world talking about being honest and authentic. And so I would just love for my audience to get to hear about your book. But first, we're going to rewind a little bit, go back a little bit. I want them to just kind of hear your story. So tell us your story, man. What, who are you? I mean, I think most of my audience probably knows who you are, but give us a little bit of like the, you know, Cliff Notes version um, of just your journey and how you got here. Yeah. Well, my name is Sam Acho. I am 32. Am I 33? I'm 32 yeah, years old. It doesn't matter. Ages once you hit 30, once <laughs> yeah. you hit 30, it's like, and you just had a birthday, Kaylee. Yep. So happy belated yep. birthday. Thank you. Once you hit 30, it's like everything kind of blends together. And mm-hmm. so I'm 32 That's years true. old. I've been playing linebacker in the NFL for the last nine years. I played for the Chicago Bears, Arizona Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I went to the University of Texas. I'm from Dallas. And so it's a little bit of my football side, right? Went to UT and got drafted, played in the NFL. But also there's another piece where I'm a pastor's kid. My dad is a pastor. Mm -hmm. If anyone's heard of Tony Evans, my dad's not Tony Evans, but my dad (laughs) uh, helped Tony Evans start Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, the church that he started in Dallas about 30 years ago. So we were going to that church for years. My dad's name is Dr. Acho, and he's uh, gregarious and well-known. He's a marriage counselor and a pastor and all these things. And so growing up, I, you know, I've got the pastor's kid background, but also some people may not know this as well. My parents were born and raised in Nigeria. And so okay. I'm a, they, I'm a, they, they, they came to America in their early twenties and I was born here in Texas, but I would go back every other winter, every other Christmas and spend Christmas and New Year's in Nigeria. We'd go back in the summer as well. And actually my wife is from Nigeria as well. And so, so we, so, so, you know, you have people say, well, tell me about you. Like, it's, it's almost like, well, what side do you want to hear? Right. Mm. And that's the key, right. You know, I know yeah. we're going to get into it, right. I have, a, I have a book coming out called let the world see you. 
how to be real in a world full of fakes. And it talks about this whole idea of like, who, who are we and who do we portray and who do we hide and why do we hide? And so sometimes the whole, like, who are you question for me, at least can be complicated. Yeah. I think, I think so many of us feel like we have to sum it up enough to fit like an Instagram bio, you know, like, like I gotta, how can I quickly tell you like the main points? And I love that you talk about how multifaceted that is because it really is. There's so much to us and so many layers. And I love the fact that you come from this pastor's family, because I feel like you're going to carry so much weight specifically with the PKs out there, but then also just with the, in the Christian world, you know, you've been given this platform in the NFL and that's incredible, but you're using it to speak to something that's so important. Do you feel like it was hard, which I want to go back and also remind the, everyone listening, October 13th, you talked about your book. October 13th is a big day. You can pre-order your book. I already pre-ordered mine, um, but I'm so excited for this book to come out. But do you feel like in the NFL world, was it hard merging the two, like Christianity and NFL? Like, how was that? Like being a pastor's kid, but being in the NFL, what was that like? It was definitely difficult. I think in anybody's living in the world and being not only a pastor's kid, but being a Christian, a committed Christian, it's not easy. The Bible says be in the world, but not of the world. And now right. imagine this guy who's been growing up in church and mm -hmm. dad is a pastor and Wednesday night services and Sunday services yeah. and praying every morning, every night. And all of a sudden you get dropped into this, people call it like the worldliest of industries yeah. in a lot of ways in the NFL. And for me, it was hard. It was scary. I didn't know what to do. People would tell me I was getting ready to get drafted and I didn't know what team I was going to go to. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what my future held. But people said, man, Sam, you are, you're such a great guy. You're such mm. a nice guy. Never change. Is what mm. they, would say. they say, just don't change, right? Don't go to the NFL and change. And I said, I don't know if I'm going to change it. I don't never, like, how do I I don't know. And like, I, I feel like change can be good sometimes, right? You grow and mature. And so I didn't know what that meant, but I had a, a mentor or a friend who said, hey, Sam, whether it's, being in the NFL or going into the work world or whatever avenue you go in, money or success or fame, all these things that people uh, strive for, they don't change you more than anything. It's a magnifying glass. Mm. It just exposes who you really are. Mm. And so it was almost like this warning, right? A little bit, because it's mm -hmm. like, if you really got some deep down dirty secrets, the more money and fame and exposure and followers and all these things, it's going to get exposed. Mm -hmm. And if you have, uh, there's, you know, the love of God overflowing from your heart and you have a bigger platform to share God's love. And so for me, being in the NFL and being a follower of Jesus was, was difficult because of the misconceptions that I had and mm -hmm. that others had on what that looked like uh, so in, in my profession. Yeah. Mm, wow. And I think that's so, I, I feel like you are very gracious and kind to talk about, you know, both sides of it. Cause there are two sides of it. You know, soon I'll be places and I don't want people to find out that I'm a pastor's wife or even a pastor's kid, like, because immediately they automatically think certain things about you, but that's kind of what we've bought, right? As Christians, we've bought, Oh, you're judgmental. You're clicky. You're this, you're that. And I love even more of a reason why I love this book and what you're talking about, because it breaks down some of those barriers of we're real people. Like let the world see you. And there's no clause there. There's no, if you're this, and if you're this, and if it, it's just, let it see you. And that's so beautiful to me to really be able to have that space created. So how did you come up with that title? Will you tell the story of how that kind of came to be? Yeah. I don't know if I, you're actually the, I, I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that question oh. specifically, which is interesting. And I'm going to give a little bit of, you know, 
secrets nobody really no one's ever heard this right oh so, excited yeah so i actually came the original title was bu mm-hmm. that was the original my thought was bu when we had this coach my last my last year in chicago playing with the bears he had this motto and the team motto was hey bu mm-hmm. bu and what he meant by that more than anything was it's almost like what we've been talking about hey if you're if you love playing golf right go play golf go do your thing if you love talking to people if you love dancing rapping whatever you like to do do that. You can you can do that, and you can still be a good football player. You can be a committed Christian, and you can still kill it in the workplace. You can be yeah. uh, a, a dancer, a musician, or whatever, and you can still be like super sharp and business minded. It doesn't. You don't have to try and change who you are to fit into a certain mold. And so the idea was this call to freedom of of being you, of, mm-hmm. of being you. And so that was in my thought process. I just wanted that to come out because what. But that coach did for me is he almost he he gave me courage. Mm-hmm. I think about it in Spanish, the word dar means to give. And I just think about mm-hmm. like he gave me that courage to say, oh wow, I'm allowed to be me. Mm-hmm. And so that me that you saw in this locker room was a guy who was super emotional mm-hmm. and to the point of crying in front of my teammates, super emotional mm-hmm. to the point of talking about pain and struggle and fear and shame to the point of talking to a counselor to the point of being in this macho sport but showing people no i'm kind and i'm loving and i'm caring and i want to listen i want to be your friend i'm not here to take your job or anything and so that was the piece of me that i always hid from people i didn't want people to see the nice Mm -hmm. loving caring guy i want people to see the big bad Mm -hmm. six foot three 260 pound nfl linebacker and so when i had when this coach gave me the courage to be me, and then there's even, there's a little bit more to that story we can get into, I know we'll get into, but when he gave me that courage, so much happened throughout that process from, you know, losing a mentor, from me losing my starting spot, from me, you know, my house, I mean, so much happened and we'll get into it a little bit, but I realized that even, I realized that even in my worst days, God still sees me. He still knows me. He still loves me. And that feeling is irreplaceable. And I wanted people to experience the same feeling as well. I wanted them to let the world see them wow. the way that I started to allow to let the world, let the world see me. That's so powerful. And that's so, it catches your attention. Like as soon as I saw the title, I was like, I want that. I, you know, you want to feel like you can be seen and be known and that you're still loved and you're still, and I think that's something that's so beautiful about the gospel and something that, you know, my husband works in student ministry and something I try to tell students, all the teenagers is I'm like, God knows your worst mistake that you hope nobody, your parents, your friends, nobody ever finds out. He already knows. And he still chose to die for you. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to remind people, you have a God that already sees you, but let the world see you. You have a light to shine. And so that's incredible. I would love to talk a little bit more. You mentioned um, going, going to therapy in that process. What does that look like for you? I think it's something that's so important to discuss. It's so important to normalize. It has been a huge part of my mental health journey and my life is recognizing that sometimes we need other people to speak into our lives. So what does that look like for you, that process of finding a therapist, choosing to go to therapy, what brought you to that place? Yeah, well, I was at a really, I'll call it a dark moment, a hard moment, not even really dark, just more of a difficult moment in life. I had just signed this, this I, I was living the dream in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. For, you know, and, and 
even within the 1% or the NFL, the best of the best, I was, I kind of, a lot of my career had been on the minimum contracts and not necessarily just getting by, but it had been this thing of like, man, I'm just trying to make it, just trying to make it. Mm, yeah. And all of a sudden I signed this multi-year, multi-million dollar contract. Like I had made it. Like in all, for all intents and purposes, I did it right. I achieved and I finally did it. What I've been working for, for years is going on my seventh year at this time. My eighth year, I've actually, man, I did it. The average NFL career span is three years. I'm going on my eighth. This is amazing. And I was miserable. Mm. I was miserable to the point where my marriage was failing. Mm. My relationship with my kids was porous. My relationship with my family wasn't good, yet on the outside, things were looking great. Mm. And I remember we were a week before training camp, a week before we were getting ready to start our start the season. I'm the starter, and I'm the guy. It's a new contract and all these things. And I was sitting with a friend, and and I just, it was almost like enough was enough. I was tired of the hiding and the pretending. And I just told him, I said, man, I just need the football season to start. Give me one more week. I seem to get back to football. Then I'll, then I'll be able to put all the other stuff aside with family and my wife and my kids. And I'll just be able to focus. And he said, Sam, if that's how you're feeling right now, I'm afraid of what happens when, when, when you retire, mm. when football ends. And I look at him and I just started, I started crying. I started crying. Mm. And he looks back at me in my tears and my, pain and my shame really and he said it's nice to see you sam wow look at him like what what do you mean he said it's, it's nice to see you he said I, i've known you for seven years are you know you know me since my rookie year he said i've never seen this side of you we've worked together we've done projects together we've hung out together i've never seen this side of you and it's nice to see and he said hey he said, you never know. He recommended I go talk to a therapist, a counselor. And I did a, a week later. But he also said something as well. He said, and you never know. He said, maybe God is writing a book in your life. And you may only, and you may only be on chapter two. Mm. And I'm sitting here like, what is this? Do you know what I've been through? What I've confessed to you and my marriage, my kids? You may only be on chapter two. And so the very next week, I, I reached out to the counselor and I it was actually the, the day we reported to training camp. So we reported to training camp that night. And that morning of report day, I'm sitting in a counselor's office. And he asked me a question. He says, Sam, what do you do when you get angry? Mm. I look at him. I say, well, I, I try not to get angry. He says, well, come on, man. Like, what do you, what do, you do when you get angry? I said, I, I just, I don't, I don't get angry. I just, I just mm. don't. He said, Sam, everybody gets angry. There's nobody else here. It's me and you. Everybody gets angry. What do you do when you get angry? And I started crying again. Just crying and crying. And he looks at me, tears and all. He says, it's nice to see you, Sam. Wow. And he says, oh, by the way, get used to hearing that. Get used to hearing that. And, you know, Kaylee, you mentioned earlier about the, the freedom that you get from being seen, known, but also loved. That is the journey that I've been on. And that is, that's the journey that this book 
takes the reader on. It takes the reader on a journey of what it means to be seen mm. and not only to be seen, but also to be known, not only to be known, but also to be loved. And that's what the book's all about. I love that. And I feel like you represented right there when you're telling your story and, and this process, you specifically are talking about these key words and the life that was spoken into what, what's, what if God's writing a book? And I think that's where, you know, what I'm so passionate about is the power of our words and how words can truly be life-giving. And I love that this journey has literally been people saying, speaking these words of life to you of like, Hey, I, you're, it's okay. Like, let me see you. It's nice to see you. You know, they're literally saying, I want to see this by saying, it's nice to see you. I want this part of you. I want to welcome that in. And, and I, I can see how that's given so much life to you in the whole writing process is choosing the words for this book and what's going to go down and what's going to be cut out. How have you seen life giving words other than everything you've just shared, which is incredible. Is there any other ways that you've really seen life giving words or the power of our words come into play as a writer now? Cause you are, you're officially a writer. That is so cool. Yeah. Without a doubt for me, I've always, words have been very, have meant a lot for me as an individual, whether they have been words of condemnation, mm. people saying they, oh, you're, oh, you're too fat. Or I heard that. Or, you're so big. Was, I heard like, man, Sam, you're so big. Cause I was a bigger kid. You're so big. So then I really internalized that, mm. right? You're so big. Or, or, or people would, would say, oh, you don't, yeah. you know, you don't believe in yourself. You're not, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, okay, maybe I'm not mm. good. I don't trust myself. You keep on saying, you know, and so a lot of these words I would internalize. And for me being a, you know, words of encouragement and people talk about love languages, right? That's, that's one of my love languages. And so yeah. for me, words are everything. And so when I wrote this book, I wrote it in a way that like, I wanted people to hear the words that I heard to encourage mm. and to speak to them. It was almost as if the spirit of God was speaking to me and I'm just yeah, imparting that to the reader. Yeah. I was the vessel. That's, that's yeah. exactly what I felt like. That's so good. And I think it can be such a scary thing. What I've learned even through this journey of, you know, this little baby podcast, it's still very new, but it can be cool to say, I want to be a vessel for God, but it's scary. Like once you're in it and once you're saying yes, and once you're in the middle of it, it can be really hard. So what are some things that you had to kind of overcome to get to the place of saying, okay, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to write it all down and put it all out there for the world. What do you feel like you kind of had to fight against? Like if someone's thinking, I want to be a vessel for God, I want God to use me. Maybe it's not writing. Maybe it's something else, other gift or talent. What do you want to kind of say, Hey, look out for this, be ready for this, but be ready to overcome this. Is there anything that you feel like you overcame or kind of had to kind of be like, you know what? I'm going to silence that to be able to do follow this calling yeah it was definitely frightening it was people say man it was writing hard right it was writing this book hard right however many 50,000 60,000 words and chapters and all these things it like the writing part was easy like the writing part wasn't hard but the difficult part was the emotional part of going to those places because you can't we can't write a book about what it means to be real the, the title is let the world see you how to be real in a world full of fakes you can't write a book about authenticity and be faking during the in the in the right in the, yeah in the words so i had to be real and, and so the hard part for me was the emotional for me there were a lot of writing was almost like therapy there were a lot of places that i had to go yeah. and things I had to address, not only for 
the benefit of the reader, but for the benefit of myself as well. That's why yeah. it's funny the way that the, the, the way this book was incepted in a lot of ways was I had that conversation with my friend, maybe God's writing a book in your life and, and you may only have chapter two. And then the next week I go to training camp and then the next, then the next, or next week I'm meeting with the counselor and then I go to training camp that night and he had mentioned, Hey, start writing, maybe start listening to music, all these different things. And, and so that's what I did. And then that night after we have our first team meeting, I'm in our, our dorm room and I'm just writing. I'm writing, I'm writing, and, I'll, and I'm listening to music, and all of a sudden, the tears start coming out again. Like, it was almost as if God was telling me, coming after my heart, yeah, but gently. He wasn't, mm. he wasn't pulling or reaching or grabbing. He was almost just gently doing surgery on my heart. My heart, on my, on my just, I felt like I had this black just tar on my yeah. heart, and I felt like God was taking it off. And so as I'm writing, these things are coming out, and I'm crying again. I'm like, what is going on? And so I go to practice the next day, and we do a do a drill, do a team kind of exercise, and we finish it. And most of the guys come in, they take a quick shower, headed to go get some food. Well, I was just sitting down, just in the chair, just trying to process everything that was going on. And one of my teammates walked in, and he sees me. He says, "Hey, hey Sam, are you good? Are you good?" Mm. And usually I'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just tired or it's been a long day or make some, I'm, you know, brush it off in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I looked at him this time. It was different. I looked at him and I said, man, I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. doing good. And he said, man, you got to let that out. He said, whatever's going on, trust me, let it out. Wow. So I did. And, and, and wouldn't you know, I started crying again in front of my teammate now. Mm -hmm. And and as I start to, the tears start to come out little by little, and another teammate walks in and he sees me. He immediately goes to the, his phone, which was connected to the Bluetooth speaker in the locker room. That's usually playing, you know, rap music, yeah. country right, music, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and he changed it to a, a playlist of songs about God's love. Oh. The same songs I've been listening to the night before. Wow. Wow. And oh, all of a sudden... And now the tears start really coming. And what does that teammate say? Once again, he says, hey, Ach. Right? Some guys call me Ach. He said, he said, Ach, it's nice to see you. Wow. And so I'm going on that journey. And then so much happened. But, you know, talk about the inception of this book. Fast forward a couple months later, I had a mentor who, passed, who was battling cancer. And mm. I mean, mind you, like, so this happened, crying in training camp and I was a starter, ended up losing my starting spot. We traded for a superstar player. Then a couple weeks later, I get injured. I tear my pec. I'm out for the season. So I'm, you know, I, I'm on the team. But I'm not playing. And then a couple months later, my mentor, who was my next door neighbor from Arizona, when I lived, when I lived there, uh, he posted a message on Facebook asking for permission to leave. And I'm like, what is he talking about? He'd been battling cancer and he asked for permission to leave. Mm. I'm like, what, what do you mean? So I call him. And you could tell he's only had like 20% of his strength left in his voice, you know, and I guess the treatments weren't working and I mean, we've been praying for him. We've been supporting, I mean, all the things and nothing was working. He said, man, I'm ready to go see Jesus. Right. He was 70 some years old. I'm ready to go see Jesus. And I just said, man, well, I don't know what you, what you want me to tell you, but, but I, I need something from you. So what do you need? I said, give me whatever advice you have, whatever wisdom insight, give it to me. And talking about like how I, how this book really came to being. Yeah, yeah. And he, he said, he said, Sam, there's two things I've learned in my 70 plus years on this earth. So these are the two most important things you could ever do. And there's, there's nothing more valuable than, than this, these two pieces of information. He said, number one, 
the most important thing you can do, best use of your time. There's nothing of higher value. He said, get to know Jesus mm. intimately. Mm. Intimately, get to know Jesus intimately. He said, God, God takes no greater joy in you getting to know him. Get to know yeah. Jesus and you will get no greater joy. And he paused. I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Like, what is this? What do you mean? Like, you there's two things. <laughs> And he said, the second thing I want you to know, Sam, is that you are worth getting to know. Mm. So never forget that you're worth getting to know. And so you talk about why and where this book yeah. came from and yeah. that emotional piece of really believing that I am worth getting to know. Wow. I learned that on this journey and I want, and I want you to know that I want everybody who reads the book to know that. Yeah. Not only me, but you are worth getting to know as you listen to this. Yes, get to know Jesus, right? But also, you are worth getting to know. Yeah. So all whether it's your fears or your likes or dislikes or things you, you, you love doing or some of the pains, you're worth getting to know. Mm, I love that so much. I feel like that, that embodies, like that right there is just so full of life-giving words, you know, and just shows the power of our words. And I, I see, you know, when it comes to, the challenges and, and pouring your heart out into this book, you face that with being willing to be vulnerable. And I love that you talked about asking your mentor, like, hey, I need some advice. I think so often we shy away from being honest and saying, I need something. You saying to him, I need something from you. If you had not gotten to that place of vulnerability, you would have never got that profound wisdom. And how many people is that impacting now? So we never know when we're in a season where, and we're saying, you know, I need something, but I feel like I can't let that be seen. I feel like I have to hide. If you were honest and vulnerable, just like you described, who could that impact? I mean, you are impacting thousands of people and I'm already declaring it and believing this book is going to do far beyond what you can even imagine. Because what I see Amen. is this faithful servant showing up and saying, I'll be honest when most people won't. I'll, I'll be real when most people won't. Hey, I'll, I'll talk about that when most people won't. And so I'm just believing God's going to do incredible, incredible things through this book. But you mentioned earlier being a dad and being a husband as a dad, you know, I'm a, I'm a mom and, and as a parent, I think we can often think about our legacy and, and what we're going to leave behind. And I can't wait for the day that your kids get to read this book. What do you hope they'll take away from it? Yeah, I love, I love that you asked that question. My favorite part of the book, and I love the book, but my favorite part of the of my book is the, I, mean, I call it the credits, right? The part at the end mm. where you where you give your thank yous, the, yeah. you know, I don't even know what they call that, I'm, you know, in the, in, the, in the book world, but it's my favorite part of the book because I get a chance to name the people who really mm. were there for me yeah. when it seemed like no one else was. And and in it, I get a chance to, to name my three, my three kids. And I start with Caleb. Um, mm. And he's like me, super emotional and sensitive and, and kind. And, and um, I just, in the book, I get a chance just to, to, to thank him mm. you know, for his hugs. Because one thing he always does is he's hopping in the, the podcast a little bit. Is one I thing he always it. does is like he gives me these hugs. Mm. And these hugs are just so life-giving in so many ways. Yeah. And then I get a chance to thank Sophia. Mm. Sophia. You know, I get a chance to thank Sophia, my daughter. And what she does, she gives me these kisses. Mm. And it's, they're the most timely kisses. Mm -hmm. And it always, when I'm feeling down or dejected, and she'll just kiss me on the cheek. And, and I'll just feel, like, uplifted. 
and I get a chance to thank my youngest son. His name is Kelechi and Kelechi and in Igbo, my, my wife's from Nigeria, and I'm Nigerian. Kelechi and Igbo means thank God. So wow. We named him Thank God, and his middle name is his middle name is Victor. So it's almost like this this thank yeah. God for victory, That's right? Victor. And so when I see him, I see him as a victor, right? And so it's almost like this piece of like thanking God for victory. And so yes. my hope is that when they read this book, they'll of course they'll be encouraged and inspired by the words in the book, but that they'll go back and look mm-hmm. at the the, the credits yeah. and say, man, yeah. my dad really loved me. He loved me, me, my sister, and even, even my mom, right. I get a chance to thank my wife and he loved my mom yeah. so well. So that's, that's what I really hope. That's amazing. And I think it's so cool. I get to see the, your family is a part of this. And so the fact that you include them in that and you include them at the end there and get to thank them, you know, they're going to remember maybe, maybe a little bit about this process for your younger kids, you know, might not be as profound, but get to, feel like they were a part of that. Not many people's names get to be in a published book. And so that's such a cool, amazing thing to get to be a part of. And honestly, I love, again, just love this space that you're creating and this vulnerability and authenticity. And, you know, I always in my episodes with what I love about you, um, because what I noticed when I started listening to podcasts, actually the beginning of 2019, all these people come on podcasts and they're interviewed and they kind of pour their heart out and they're talking about whatever. And I, I just, again, being a lover of words, like you said, I'm like, man, someone needs to pour back into them. Someone needs to speak back into them. Like words are so powerful. And so many podcasts I listen to, I want the host to like do that, you know? And so I said, if I ever get a podcast, I want there to be a point in the podcast where I get to speak some life giving words to that person. So I just want to tell you, honestly, something that I, I love about you and I appreciate what you're doing is you are creating a space that is needed, but you're being Jesus to people. You're showing up and saying, I don't care what you've been or what, what you've done. I, I'm okay with it. Bring it to the front of the table. Don't try to hide it and don't even leave it out. Show the world. And I think that's such a beautiful, amazing thing in your vulnerability and the way you're using this platform that God's given you. I know some things may have changed, like you talked about, you know, being taken out of that starter position, but you're not letting that stop you. And I believe wholeheartedly that God has set you up with this platform and you thought it was going to be football. And he's gone, no, 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 no. I have something so much bigger, something that's going to impact eternity in this space. And I'm cheering for you, man. I'm rooting for you. I'm so excited to see what God does. And I'm just so thankful. And I'm thankful that you take your time to be here. I know your time is valuable. And, um, you know, we cannot wait for October 13th. It's going to be amazing. I just can't wait to see all the things God does with this book. And I just, Man, my husband and I are are both huge fans and we're cheering you on and we cannot wait for October 13th. Everyone go pre-order your books now. I pre-order mine on Amazon. Where all can they order these books? Yeah, so uh, you can order it at at samachobook.com, S-A-M-A-C-H-O book.com or go to wherever wherever you buy books, wherever you digest or consume books, it's going to be available everywhere. Uh, But I'm so excited. October 13th is the release day. I, I, and I don't know where it's where, you know, talk about the power of words, right? Like words can't even describe. I posted a video not too long ago when I got the first shipment of, of books and I got these books and yeah, I got these books and it was, they weren't even my books. They're really people had purchased autographed books. So I was just signing them for them to send back. And so I, I'm, I know there's, you know, COVID going on. And I mean, I'm like, Hey, if you want to sign books, just go to the, go to the website and get signed books for you and everything. Oh, cool. But I was overjoyed. I was overjoyed wow. because 
it was like this thing that I'd been thinking about and praying. I mean, we pray every night about this book and the people who are going to read it and, the, and that their lives would be changed. And it was actually physically here. And so I can't, I mean, I know that feeling was strong for me, but anybody who's, who's getting ready to get the book, go to samachobook.com, S-A-M-A-C-H-O book.com. You can pre-order it. If you, if you pre-order it, you can actually get access to the first three chapters before anybody else. Yeah. There, if you go to that website too, you'll hear there's a, Chapter one is there in, in audio book format as well, which is super, super powerful. And, and I just can't wait for this book to get in people's hands and in people's hearts because I know it affected me and I can't wait for it to affect those who, who listen. Yeah. Awesome. I was not planning on doing this, but can I just pray over you and your family in this book before we end this episode? Yes, God, I just thank you so much for Sam, God. And I thank you for his vulnerability and his honesty and the way that he is displaying your love for people. God, I ask right now that you would be preparing the hearts of every single person and that you would stir in the hearts of people to pre-order this book and to read this book and just use it as a resource and a life-giving tool that it is. God, I pray that you would bless Sam and his precious wife and his precious kids beyond what they can imagine. And I know that he is running his race so well for you, Jesus. And I look forward to the day when he can meet you face to face and you can say, well done, my good and faithful servant, God. And I just I thank you for what you're doing in his life. I pray that you continue to bless him. I pray that you protect him and his family and you just continue to let him shine his light, Jesus. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.